Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel Budai with another episode of our Ecom Show. And in today's episode, um, we will share the live stream that we had not a long time ago with a few amazing people. So I asked questions from everyone and uh, we simply had one topic in this uh, webinar, which was how to scale your e-commerce business in 2021. And I asked everyone um, about their thoughts regarding this and uh, they just they just basically had a free speech um, about this topic. So our first guest is Kevin Urrutia. Previously, you could uh, <clears throat> you could listen to an episode with him. He's the CEO and founder of uh, Boy Media. And <clears throat> besides his uh, New York-based agency, he has a luggage, luggage company. And as you will uh, hear, um, this company is ahead of uh, Samsonite in uh, Google. And he also has a uh, cleaning company in uh, New York State. Uh, he's the owner of Foy Media. It's a full service agency. They are great with paid ads and they are amazing with SEO as well. Our next guest is uh, Ellie uh, from Boston. Uh, she's the channel customer success manager at uh, Clavio. Clavio is our uh, great partner. We've been working working together for years, and it was really the first software what we used to help our clients. And then we will talk with uh, Shoma as well. Shoma is the CEO and uh, founder of Recart. Um, they are based in the same city as uh, I am now. They are from Hungary, uh, Budapest. And uh, Ricard is, uh, they are an amazing startup and they focus on messenger chatbots. They helped more than uh, 120,000 Shopify merchants in the last few years. And uh, they send messages to more than 90 million people around the world, which is amazing. Our next guest is uh, Eric Huberman, who is the CEO and founder of Hoke Media. And uh, their marketing agency is based in, uh, in the U.S., California, but they have several offices in the U.S. and they've been just opening a few new ones, um, as I know. And uh, they launched the company in 2014 and uh, they grew to more than 150 employees. And uh, basically every year they just double the agency, which is amazing. And finally, our... Uh, uh, last guest is our senior account manager at Budai Media, Ben Erdei. Um, we've been working together for more than two years. We went to the Clavio conferences together. He's an amazing guy. He's, he's uh, I think he's just even smarter than, than um, many of us in the team. And, and I always tell to clients that he's smarter than me. Uh, so just, just wait for him to talk. So... Yeah, he's, he's the last uh, guest. And uh, I will ask everyone to talk about uh, how to scale an e-commerce business this year. And I hope everyone will learn a lot from this episode. Yeah, today we will talk about how to scale an e-commerce business this year. 
um, and everyone has a different background. Kevin, uh, CEO of Roy Media, um, I know you are a huge fan of ads and you have your Silicon Valley uh, fest as well. Um, Ellie from Clavio, our amazing uh, partner company. Shoma uh, from Ricard, I think we are the, in the same city now in Budapest here in Europe. Um, and Eric from Hulk Media. Actually, I just watched an interview with you uh, yesterday uh, with Gary V, and it was very yeah. interesting. And oh, Ben yeah. is uh, from our team, uh, Budai Media, and we focus on retention marketing, mostly uh, email marketing. So everyone has a bit different background. <laughs> and I will just ask everyone to talk about, uh, from your viewpoint, how you see the e-commerce market this year. Um, there are many changes. We still have the coronavirus situation. And uh, yeah, I, I will let everyone just to talk for like 10 minutes and please share your thoughts. Um, what advice you would give to e-commerce uh, marketers and business owners. And uh, I think at the end, we will have some time for uh, questions as well. So Kevin, do you want to uh, start, please? Let yeah. us know um, okay. how yeah, we I'll... do things this year. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start. So for me, for e-commerce owners, the way I think about it, uh, for this year at least, is SEO. Obviously here at Boy Media, we do a lot of paid stuff, but my background is in SEO, right? So I have a cleaning company out here in New York called Maid Sellers, and we started with doing SEO. So we're doing a lot of home cleaning NYC, maid service NYC, we're number one or two or three. And the way I think about it for that is um, that has helped us grow where we have paid stuff as well for Facebook ads, but that's really for our local business here. We've used it for uh, retargeting. And at least for me, I also have a Chester, uh, luggage company called Chester Travels. Chester, we, we're a D2C luggage brand. We compete with Samsonite and Toomey. And for that, we get about 60 to 70,000 organic traffic. And of course we do Facebook ads too, but most of our traffic comes from SEO. And the way we think about SEO is um, I tell brands all the time that we work with, when someone looking up your company, what's the first search term they look up after their, your name? Let's say my company's called Chester. If we look at Google Analytics or Google a Keyword Planner, it's Chester Travels. So I tell brands, you need to be going down there and figuring out how can you rank for that search term and that, mean, that means many ways through YouTube, YouTube SEO, affiliate SEO, and also your own page SEO. I tell brands all the time on your website, you need to be having some sort of slash reviews page that you can control what the message is, what the reviews are and how to do that. So if you look up Chester luggage reviews, we own the top 10 SERPs because we reached out to bloggers and say, Hey, here's our luggage. Go try it out. Go write us a review. And I tell people this all the time is if someone, if you're sending out your luggage or your product to places or bloggers, if they don't like it, what, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to say, Hey, Kevin, sorry, I didn't like the luggage. But what happens if that blogger bought it from you, paid 400 bucks and they didn't like it, they're definitely going to write that bad review. So for you, it's better to control the narrative. SEO is really about controlling what people see about you and your brand. So I think it's probably one of the most important things you should be thinking about. And of course, paid helps with amplification of that. Um, and again, for SEO, I don't just mean obviously like uh, or Google Organic. YouTube is a big one that I'm seeing a lot lately. But again, another one that it's not really SEO, but it's more like a little bit of like branding. I think uh, 
Instagram is really great with that. And I, when I, when I think about that, I mean, for more, just the pure content of people searching your brand. So for us at Chester, we have a big Instagram account and we just repost stuff of like influencers using our products, um, using our thing, uh, using our traveling, obviously, obviously right now it's really bad for the luggage industry where before, um, it worked really well for us because, these influencers would repost it over and over again. And then when people search for our brand, they would see us reposting. They would see all the images we were tagged in. So that worked really well. Um, and a thing, a thing, a thing, well, sorry. I also think about SEO in just generating useful content that you might have. So for us at Chester, we talk a lot about airline luggage fees. What is your Delta luggage fees? What is your Southwest airline luggage fees? All this sort of content that people are searching for that maybe your product can help because we have a carry-on luggage where if you bring on your carry-on luggage, you don't need to pay the airline fees. So we know that these search terms have a huge volume. So we want to be in front of that content as well. And a big one too for us as well is making sure we rank for uh, keywords such as, you know, best carry-on luggage, best luggage sets. And I know a lot of, I, and the reason why I say this strategy works really well, because I see this working really well in like the MarTech marketing software. What is the best like CRM system? And you see these big players like HubSpot ranking themselves as number one, and then like everybody else below them. So we have that for Chester too. You look up best luggage sets, of course we're the best. And then everybody else is below us. Again, it's all about controlling your narrative and saying, hey, look, we really believe in our product and I'm not going to risk it. Somebody else to say that we're not number one when I know that we're number one. Um, so that's what I think about SEO is making sure that you can be there because people are searching for the product. Why, why don't you want to be there? Like I just tell people like, it just doesn't make sense. And again, for Chester, this, we have about 60,000 organic traffic, but this took about two years to get there. So it's a long-term game. And I think now it makes sense because when we do retargeting ads, when we do like dynamic product ads on Facebook, now we know that these prospects are hot because they're looking for a product. Um, so that's kind of how I think about SEO there. So I have a question for you, Kevin, because I, I just Googled it. When you say you rank number one for best luggage sets, uh, if I Google that, it's oh. mostly press, which I've seen. It's like SEO actually is like more, Google's more optimizing for press these days and actually putting press yep. at the top with a bunch of articles about. And then below that, it yeah. is uh, Sam, uh, Samsonite to me away. Yep. So what were you, I'm curious what you're referring to, because when I hear that, I'm trying to understand. So basically right now, if you look up best luggage, that's a good question, right? So this is really good because... Right now, number one best luggage sets for me is travelway.me. We have Trip Savvy, which is another sort of big review site. Mm -hmm. um, and then below that, you have top seven suitcases, which is now this new thing that Google has about like, kind of like it's pulling, uh, it's pulling reviews from other sites onto there, right? To get on there, it's really good and really hard. After that, you have Travel and Leisure. After that, you have Amazon. And then you have Jet Setter. And then for me, because... We have like a local place in New York City. I, I don't know if you guys have it because you're in California, Eric. Uh, mm -hmm. We have Chester Luggage, which is our local listing here. So that's Got another it. thing. That's a, we have another local listing there too. But then underneath the local listing, we have our Chester Luggage sets. So I'm not sure if you see okay, it, but cool. yeah. So this is also another, I think you make a great point because a lot of these e-commerce stores, if you have a local listing in your area, you should go to Google and get that local listing because then you will show up as well. Yeah. And this is happening with a lot of brands, not just luggage sets. It's almost every e-commerce company. So that's something to be considered for SEO too. Um, but I think another great thing that you're sort of mentioning there, Eric, is uh, with SEO, what's happening now with SEO, a lot of it's localized. So you need to be thinking about localized content, localized SEO, because I could see number three, Eric could see number five. It's called kind of based on what you're searching for. So of course, there's going to be like a general rank 
of like, hey, this is where everybody ranks. But then you also have searches based on what you're looking for. It's all personalized now. So that's something to be considered and be thinking about too. But yeah, that's a good uh, question. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Uh, maybe later we can, uh, yeah. you know, come back to this topic. Uh, Ali from Clavio. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I, I'd start out my thoughts here with focusing on 2020. So businesses that are on Clavio saw completely unique spending behaviors, completely different customer acquisition. Some companies are growing more than ever overnight, um, have now overcome some of the issues with fulfillment. So there was many different struggles of 2020, as we all know. So what are we prioritizing in 2021? Um, what are we saying businesses, businesses should be prioritizing in 2021? It's got to be customer retention. There's so many businesses that have seen overnight 100% uh, growth in their audience size. There's so many people new to your site. Uh, we have to be focusing on how to keep your business top of mind when things do become a little bit more normal again. So how do we actually do that? Um, we may have got your purchase in 2020, but businesses need to be focusing on that repeat purchase rate. What do you have set up in your email marketing strategy? Obviously thinking of that with Clavio um, to ensure that you're not forgotten about in the next couple of months. Yeah, I purchased your product once because I saw you were doing a giveaway or one of these influencers posted about it on social. Uh, you need to be creating that relationship with these new profiles to your brand sooner rather than later before it's too late, or you are going to see that drop off in list size again. So how can we do that with email? Uh, I'm obviously thinking in email terms here being from Clavio. Automations. Uh, we know automations make businesses money overnight. You get them set up and they're going to continuously bring in that revenue. So what automations are important when it comes to customer retention? Uh, something as simple as a replenishment flow. Someone buys your product once and they get that reminder on that timeline of when they can be reminded to buy it again. Really, really helpful for like, the food industry if you're selling products online. Something I'm thinking of is um, a brand I work with, Super Coffee, where they're selling K-Pods, they're selling espresso drinks, they're selling things that are probably have a shelf life of under a couple of days. So a replenishment flow is a really easy way from that first time purchaser, send them an email in seven days and say, hey, you're probably out already, buy another product, here's 10% off to do so. So one, incentivizing that repeat purchase rate. What do you have set up in your marketing strategy to actually get someone to purchase again and remember that you exist? Uh, the second one is, yes, maybe the repeat purchase rate is there and they're buying the same products, but how can you make them loyal to your brand and not just that product that they tried once? So um, educating these new subscribers or new purchasers as to why you're better than your competitors, what makes you unique, what makes you different, doing this with personalization, um, using the data that you already have to create that owned marketing strategy. So you're educating people about why they should come back. Uh, why they, their customer lifetime value should be increasing over time. Um, one thing that I think is going to be huge for 2021, and of course, Clavio thinks this as well, um, is SMS. So people have emailed down, everyone's doing it. A lot of people are in the SMS space as well, but it's just another way to increase that relationship with these people. 
Uh, there's new strategies coming out daily about how to best work with SMS. Um, and it's just another way to scale your business. It's another way to build that relationship with these customers. So uh, SMS, even if it's something as simple as sending a, uh, hey, thanks for subscribing or an abandoned cart, but it's different, it's unique. It's not something that everyone's doing, may seem that way already for businesses, but uh, you know, only a certain percentage of the spaces touch there already. So uh, retention, we have a statistic that we share pretty frequently that it's seven times more expensive to acquire new customers than it is to re retain your existing customers. Um, that's pretty extreme. It's something that all businesses should be thinking about. So if you don't have those strategies in place to keep your customers coming back, uh, there's a lot on the table to lose as far as your, your ad spend and your marketing spend. So uh, th that's what we're thinking about. Um, that's what we're recommending is that you need to think of ways to really just create that one-to-one -one relationship. Make sure that a customer feels like there's something they're part of larger than just being a retail brand or an e-commerce brand. They're, they're part of a larger family. They're part of the special club. Why should they care about your product? Um, educating them on your product. All of these things to just be different than everyone else in this space to keep someone coming back for more. So automations, SMS, keeping people from pressing that unsubscribe button on email and incentivizing a purchase down the road again. Um, you know, that that's what I'm caring about right now. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, thanks for sharing these. Uh, just a question. So I know almost everyone really cares about new features. Um, so what can we expect from Clavio this year? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll focus on SMS again because, like I said, it's it's top of mind for us. So we released our SMS product to the United States in 2020. It was definitely a learning year with any new product launch, where we're really looking to smooth out the bumps and making sure that when we do release it internationally, it's a true competitor in the space and everyone's going to benefit from it. So we will be releasing SMS internationally. Uh, up to 51 countries in hopefully by end of Q3 in 2021. So, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be here quickly. With our SMS product, two things that we're super excited about is the uh, opt-in at checkout for SMS. So that's something we need to have to, again, be a true competitor to uh, the other guys in the space. And one-to-one -one messaging. So that's really great for, again, customer retention. You can actually have that personalized conversation back and forth right in the Clavio app for SMS, which is pretty exciting. Um, another, another one aside from SMS that we're really excited about that is on the roadmap for Q2 of 2021 is the Google Ads integration. So for those of you familiar with Klaviyo, we have a Facebook ads integration where you're able to create some lookalike audiences and segments um, and use that existing data. Same thing will be available for Google ads, which we're super excited about. Uh, that's right around the corner. And one simple one that I'm just excited about is a price drop trigger. <laughs> So you use your viewed product tracking. Anytime someone looked at a product that's now on sale, boom, they get an email and it's just an easy way to get another purchase in there. Love so it sounds simple, but we're excited about it. Yeah. That's nice. Kevin is already very excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I love yeah that it one. is. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah Big I, things. Yeah, Clavio has amazing features and... Um, 
Yeah, we really like the future CLV thing. Um, yes. And I remember when I talked with your uh, your product manager, I think about this, and he started showing me different graphs and equations and everything. And okay, okay, I believe you. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, we're definitely focus focusing on analytics as well and how to use that data to tell a story. Um, that actually reminded me that we did just launch in-app benchmarks for our customers where they're able to, from the business side, email side, um, look at how they're doing against their peer competitors in the space. So a hundred of your closest in size and industry and get a full breakdown of just how well you're doing both from the business side. So uh, return products, average, all of those things, um, average order value, et cetera, but then also how your email performance and SMS performance is actually doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, thank you, Ali. Um, yeah. Shoma? Please tell us more about Messenger and, and e-commerce. There are some recent yeah. changes and if you want to share more then, yeah. Yeah, happy, happy to share what, what I see uh, in, in the Messenger and, and, and the Messenger space. So first of all, what, what I see as, and, and I already saw in, in, in 2020, is, is, a, is a big change that, you know, Facebook clicks are getting more and more expensive and and the cpms are going up and you don't really see the end of of that price growth that really makes merchants who are heavily reliant on facebook paid ads truly vulnerable to the changes that are coming up so i'm not sure um maybe um eric and kevin will will prove me wrong but i saw merchants some of our merchants turning off their ads during black friday because the the prices just didn't make any uh sense for them not many but we already start seeing this trend that cpms are becoming so high that they need to turn off uh certain campaigns um so first of all cpms are going up so you need to really watch that and incorporate new strategies, new channels that you can use to, you know, reach your customers. And of course, uh, the new iOS updates will have an unknown effect, unknown but negative effect on your advertising. And, you know, there's so much up in the air about PPC, about paid uh, social that you really need to, you know, focus on pouring that traffic and converting them into you know, email subscribers, text subscribers, messenger subscribers, and, and so on. So if you're not heavy on, if you don't have an established strategy for pouring people into those lists, you are vulnerable. And of course, I'm talking to merchants who are already reliant on uh, paid ads. So if you are heavily reliant on those clicks, you need to make sure that you start building true relationships with your customers and not just take them to your website, you know, see them leave and try to retarget them uh, on, on Facebook and other platforms. So SEO is at play and other channels is at play, YouTube. Uh, you need to make sure that uh, your growth channels are quite diversified. So that would be my number one advice aside messenger. And of course, 
uh, I, I'm specialized at messaging and, and inside mobile messaging, mostly Facebook Messenger. So what Recard does is helps you uh, connect with your customers on Facebook Messenger. And uh, we also you know, saw massive growth in, in 2020 where merchants uh, were ready to you know, push people into their Messenger experience. And the platform has changed a lot since uh, 2017. And, uh, you know, the first version of the APIs, of the Messenger APIs, pretty much allowed you to send any type of messages anytime later when people, uh, after people subscribed. Um, lately, we had a couple of changes to the platform and Messenger tried to regulate what you, you can send and what you cannot send in, in a message. Uh, and made part of the messaging paid, but that didn't really hurt the e-commerce uh, ecosystem. It, it actually benefited from, from these changes. Um, so use cases in e-commerce like welcome flows, abandoned cards, browse abandonment messages, receipts, shipping notifications, delivery notifications are all available from, from, uh, from the messenger platform. When you want to send a message to people uh, who have not contacted you in the past 24 hours and you want to contain promotions, that's when you need to pay for, for the messages. Um, so Messenger is kind of, I think they try to position themselves as a competitor to SMS. They see how uh, you know, business texting is taking off again and they wanted to come up with a solution that allows them to cut off spam, but at the same time, still charge for, for the messages. So like 80% of the volume is still free on, on Messenger. So you can send your welcome flows, your uh, abandoned cart campaigns, your post-purchase uh, content uh, for completely free. And then when you want to send out your Valentine's Day promotion for your entire list, that's when you need to pay a small fee per uh, message uh, seen. So uh, yeah, about 2020 is, is all about, you know, gonna be this, this mobile trend is going to continue and people will stay and use their phones more and more. We saw this huge spike in, in mobile usage in, in, in 2020 where, you know, people started spending two, three times uh, more time on mobile uh, every single day. And that really pushed many of our merchants, you know, trying Messenger and offering as a communication and marketing channel uh, for, for their customers. So, and this is true for, for texting as well. So if you're not uh, leveraging texting, uh, maybe you have a good reason. For example, your majority of your customer is not in the States and messaging, you know, becomes very expensive. Uh, or you have some sort of you know, international traffic that is not uh, really ROI positive to, to send messages. Messengers is a good alternative because 85% of the people have Messenger downloaded on their phones and you are, very, uh, you are able to very easily subscribe them to your Messenger list. Once, the, you are, once they are subscribed to your Messenger list, uh, you can grab their phone numbers. You can get, grab their email addresses from their Facebook profiles uh, with uh, their first names, last names, gender, location. So you get a couple of 
more data points, a couple of more personalization points to your customers compared to you know capturing only their email address or on their phone number using a regular pop-up. And what we did see working really well uh, uh, last year is using this messenger subscription method and take people's phone numbers and email addresses to Klaviyo and other tools uh, with alongside the personal information we are able to pull from Facebook. So for many merchants, it truly allowed them to create a lot more personalized uh, experience. So instead of you know just capturing their email addresses through Messenger, through Recart Messenger, able to capture their first name, their last name, their gender, their location, their language, and it all goes to Klaviyo, for example, through our integration. And you're able to split your flows, uh, insert your names, uh, insert their names, and, and just frankly, provide a much better marketing than, than you could do. Um, so yeah, for 2020, my definitive advice would be uh, diversify. Like uh, that's, that's what you really need to do to de-risk yourself from what's coming up in, in the uh, war between Apple and Facebook. And we don't know what exactly is going to be the consequence, but you know, there's so much up in the air. The best you can do is to diversify your strategy and put more energy into channels that you can own and is not reliant on, on those paid ads. Yeah, thank you, Shomai. And uh, I think last year it was a huge thing that we could ask for SMS contact details and, and uh, we could also contact uh, the email software with Recart and, and Messenger marketing and just every, and we could uh, combine it with Facebook ads. So it was a scalable thing with Facebook ads. Um, and we yeah. wrote a study together about this. So, so yeah. Um, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe can you share a few, uh, you know, uh, nuggets about new features in the next months or, or this year? Yeah. So for us, 2021 is going to be crazy. Uh, we have new channels coming up. So um, I'm sure that many of you are familiar with the fact that Instagram and Messenger are merging together and uh, is going to be interconnected. Uh, the first, the, the phase one of the merging is, is already happened. And that's why you see those very similar logos uh, recently. Uh, and um, what's really happening in the background is that the business APIs are merging as well. So as a merchant, very soon, you'll be able to utilize Instagram DM for marketing and for customer support. So we, we, we really can't wait for that to happen. It's, it's already available on closed, in closed beta. So a handful of merchants uh, can use it but uh, we are not allowed to you know, spread it uh, widely across uh, merchants right now. But Facebook is expected to open up their APIs uh, relatively soon. And that's probably gonna be a huge thing as you know, Instagram draws you know, a huge amount of eyeballs, especially in the States. So if you have uh, you know, the majority of your customers in the United States, Instagram DM is 
probably going to be a huge opportunity for you as a new channel to communicate in, in a rich context and in a conversational way. So, uh, and other than that, we are also looking into other interactive channels, for example, WhatsApp. Uh, we are really into interactive messaging where we can create a, a uh, visually compelling and conversational marketing experience. Um, and there are also rumors of uh, RCS, which is going to be the next generation of SMS. And it, it's pretty much like Messenger. So RCS is coming up very soon as Google pushes the carriers to enable, uh, enable it uh, worldwide. While Apple Business Chat is also making the moves towards being a more open platform and help you know, businesses to communicate with, with their customers. So I think when it comes to business messaging, we're going to see a lot happening in the next uh, year or two. But uh, the closest one is gonna, going to be Instagram DM. So through uh, specific vendors, you can already take a sneak peek on Instagram DM. Uh, that's going to change the game in, in, in e-commerce, uh, especially in messaging. And WhatsApp will allow, or is presumably will be allowing use cases uh, sometime in Q3 this year. So I think all messaging platforms will realize that uh, with the certain rules, uh, with the certain precautions uh, taken towards uh, avoiding spam, um, these messaging platforms are best ways to, you know, create bridges between businesses and their customers. So that's that's the push that we are going to see in 2021 and in 2022 for sure. I have a Soma. I have a question. Do you sure. guys have any plans on like introducing like live agents or anything like that? And the reason why I say that is because for my cleaning company, we use this plugin. I'm not, you probably heard of it called like talk.to. And we get about maybe 30 to 50 new customer requests every single day on our platform. And then we yep. also need to manage our Google My Business messages. We also need to manage our Yelp messages. So there's all this messaging happening, right? And also email messages, of course. Um, so for us, for my cleaning company, we have about five staff full-time from Philippines, just, just mess adding people in where they train them, how to answer calls, how to answer emails. And I'm seeing this for businesses. It's like, how can they manage this like essential request of all the stuff that's so important? Do you guys have any plans yeah. to just have that sort of service built in? Yeah. This is a question so, that I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Sure, absolutely. That's, that's a great one. Uh, so what we do right now is we offer you a, the messenger way of chat. So you can have a messenger-based chat on your website, a live chat that people can uh, use to ask you questions. With, through that chat, we can create basic questions and responses uh, use cases, but Ricard's focus is mostly on outbound messages. Mm. So for, for example, the problem you described I think it's most likely solved by companies like Gorgeous, for example, mm -hmm. who puts all your inboxes into in, in, in the same in, in a unified inbox where you can answer your inquiries from the, the very same space. 
and it allows you to connect all those queries to Shopify orders and you know hand out refunds and and uh, edit orders on the go from from their system. So I think like gorgeous Reamaze, Zendesk, and companies like that trying to solve the problem, you know, to put all in boxes in in, yeah. in the same place. Uh, for us, like the focus for us is really how to send the right messages at the right time. Mm. So when do you abandon your cart? What's the cart content? How we can build a better relationship with you? Like uh, the examples like uh, Ellie mentioned, like send a message after seven days of package arrival asking, hey, do you want another one? That's that's a quite basic use case for Messenger as well. That These are the types of flows we are building for our merchants to help them connect with their customers, show up, educate them about their product. Uh, for example, there is, you know, a, a coffee alternative, uh, mud water, and we try to, you know, help them tell their customers how to get off caffeine over a set, certain set of weeks. So there are examples like that. And uh, we mostly focus on outbound. So inbound use cases, like you mentioned, yeah. are mostly solved by gorgeous VMAs and, and, and those companies. Okay, perfect. Yeah, thank you, Shuma. Um, Eric, please tell us more how you see the market this year. Yeah, I mean, a lot has changed the past year. And so a lot of these tactics and everything are really important. But, the, you know, the, I think the biggest thing to highlight and the most important thing to look at is just the global situation. So with COVID in Q2 of 2020, the so Q1 of 2020 and everything before that, we had seen about 13% of consumer spending online and about 87% still in brick and mortar and store. Uh, when COVID hit in Q2, that number went from 13% of consumer spending to 30%. And by the way, consumer spending didn't decline either. Like we saw, you know, uh, what do you call it? Leisure, hospitality, dining, those got hit, but consumer goods did not. In fact, our average client doubled and we're a big partner to Clavio. Like they skyrocketed too. Like everything digital and e-commerce skyrocketed. And so um, what that came from was, you know, a lot of Gen Z, Gen uh, millennials, et cetera, already purchase online. Like we're all used to it. I think everybody here is probably falls into millennial, if not Gen Z. So um, that's already happening. Gen X even had already adopted buying online. Baby boomers, not as much. So the baby boomers use of online spending tripled in Q2 of last year, which by the way, the growth was like 20% or 15% or even sometimes 6% a year. And all of a sudden it went 300%. And it forced a lot of people, frankly, out of fear of going outside and lockdowns, et cetera, to go purchase online. Those behaviors and that adoption didn't really reverse. So 30% was the number in Q2, 27% was the number in Q3. So it didn't go, it didn't massively drop back. It's not like going to retract as the world opens up. People are now used to buying things online. And so what I think is what we're seeing, what I think is going to happen, and just to kind of, it's good to look at the trajectory here. So Q2, all big brands pulled out of advertising, they freaked out, et cetera. So advertising costs actually dropped 30% while the market share actually doubled. Again, 13 to 30, over doubled in terms of market share. Then uh, Q3 hits, uh, people are allowed to go outside a little bit more. Summer's around, COVID seems to have subsided a little bit. It drops down to 27%. I haven't seen the updates uh, for Q4 yet and what's actually happened, but it was close. It was the biggest Black Friday, Cyber Monday we've ever seen. And I heard mentioned about like people pulling back on ad spends. That was 
anecdotal, like tiny amounts of companies. Yes, it's an individualized strategy, but across the board, it was the biggest, most spending ever done during that holiday season. Um, on top of that, we saw with ad prices, they went down 30%. They kind of recovered in Q3, but by Q4 in October, you had the elections, which actually increased advertising costs 50% in just the month of October, because 50% of advertising was actually being spent on politics in October of this year in the United States. Um, and then you hit November with the holidays. So it really skyrocketed. It subsided a little bit in December. January has been a great month for advertising. We're seeing great returns, but I do believe what we're going to see as far as growth this year. Um, now, all the big CPG companies, the big automotive companies, et cetera, they're the ones that make it expensive to advertise because they spend tons of money because their job is just to make sure that when you go to pick a car, you go to pick a, a toilet paper, you pick theirs over someone else's. Whereas a lot of the companies we all work with, Clavio works with that really benefit from us are very performance driven. They need to know that they spend a dollar and make four or five or whatever that number is. And they're looking at the actual direct ROI versus just the market share. And so until you get to that scale, that sort of nine, 10 figure revenue kind of scale, spending marketing dollars on market share is too expensive. It's really hard to do. It's not that sustainable. And so when those big companies come in and start competing that way, it drives the costs up in a way that's hard to sustain. And so what we think is going to happen in 2021, which is music to Clavio's ears, and Andrew and I talked about this, is advertising costs are going to skyrocket, which means your owned marketing is going to have to be much more important, meaning a lot of uh, what Ali was talking about, focusing on conversion, making sure that your conversion rate goes up. And you know, email and SMS are incredible ways to do that, as well as branded content, as well as a lot of different trust factors like PR, et cetera, that help people feel like they convert, as well as uh, continuing to follow up and increase that lifetime value. These tools are also great for that, whether it's SMS, email, chatbots, these are all really good tools to increase lifetime value and keep that relationship with your customer. But the thing like from a marketing perspective, those are all great. The most important thing is merchandising. You have to have products and services that allow people to keep spending with you as they grow their affinity for you. If they like your brand, if you deliver on your product or service and you're a good company, you need to give them other ways to spend money with you. And that is critical as it gets more and more expensive to acquire customers, you've got to make more money off of them. So higher conversion, higher lifetime value, and everything that drives that is going to be important this year. And I think it's going to be actually in a way fun because we're going to see really great brands that are operated really well kind of rise to the top. And you're going to see brands that shouldn't exist. You saw it last year. There's a lot of companies that failed and you look at it and it's like, yeah, they needed to fail. There's a lot of e-commerce companies that failed last year. And it was like, sorry, as we just talked about with the stats, there's no excuse. COVID didn't hurt e-commerce companies. It hurt bad companies in that sense because people were more critical of what they were spending their money on. And so, um, you know, I saw, I'm not going to call them out, but I did see a lingerie company lay off like a third of their staff in Q2 last year. We, we work with a lot of lingerie companies. It was skyrocketing and, you know, not to be too crass, but like, People were stuck at home. Lingerie sales jumped really high because people needed something to do. Um, so to see that, it was actually an operational problem on the individual company, not a COVID thing. So I think we're going to see the same thing this year where people are going to have to be really good at what they do to survive because I think we haven't seen the economic hit of COVID yet. I think we've seen the, the companies that were shut down saw it, but as a, a, a more like holistic economy, we haven't seen it yet. And so the rise of advertising costs is going to come in as well as I think people will pull back. Because one other thing that's a really important factor as to why last year went so well for e-commerce is the stimulus. 
companies didn't have to lay off people. So most white collar workers kept their jobs. When we see the unemployment when it was at its highest, those were restaurant workers. Those were people that don't have a lot of discretionary income. And most e-commerce companies are not built for the lower market and for the blue collar workers. It's built for white collar people that all kept their jobs. And if you made under 75 a year, you also got a random check for $1,200 and then another one for 600. And we saw this, like the moment those checks hit, people spend them. It's actually a, like, it's a known quantity that the middle class spends 110% of their income. So you give them $1,200, they spend $1,320. Like that is how this works. And so we saw that. So that was another really big part that as that goes away, it'll be interesting to see what comes next. Thank you, Eric. That was a great overview. Uh, you mentioned baby boomers and do you expect them to uh, keep spending online or do you know any, you know, can you see any trends uh, about that generation? Yeah, I think it's it's funny because it was such a hype like target like five years ago. And then I feel like it died down because they didn't adopt to online. Now they have it. Like the, the biggest thing is like when you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, like learning a new skill, learning a new platform is not easy. Your your brain's, you know, is not as agile. So it's just a function of age. And so getting people to use all these apps and everything was hard. It's hard for them to adapt. Your brain doesn't work that way. Now they had to take the time. They had to learn it, even though it takes longer. Like if you're young, it's easy to pick up an iPhone, learn it, learn a new app. It takes no time. It takes a little longer, but now you're stuck at home anyways. You got to learn how to order food on Instacart or DoorDash. Like you're going to do it. And so I think now that they're used to these uh, interfaces, I don't know why they would go back. Like That's, it's the same reason millennials and Gen Z love it. It's convenient. Why would I go back to the store if now I've spent the past year? It's been a year. Like I've spent a year, people have spent a year not going to stores. That's long enough to get used to it. That, and that's when we first saw this, we, you know, we thought it was going to be two weeks of shutdown or whatever everyone was talking about. It's like, it'll go back to normal. But now that it's been a year, people have completely adapted to this new lifestyle. So like whether it's remote work, shopping online, whatever, It's, it's now like it, you are fully ingrained. It is habit now. So if, you know, a baby boomer has gotten used to ordering Instacart, which by the way, baby boomers have way more money than millennials or Gen Z. They don't worry about that incremental charge on Instacart. When, when now that they're ordering on Instacart, why the hell would they ever go back to the store? This is way more convenient and easy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think convenience is a huge thing. Maybe one thing against it is social activities, you know, like, uh, yeah. I, for example, I'm, I'm really looking forward to go to the cinema. I, I haven't been for a year. I really miss that. But probably shopping in uh, Walmart is not like that. So Correct. And I agree. I think that the I think that restaurants, bars, entertainment are going to come roaring back because I don't think that that's millions of years of evolution that people want to are tribal and want to be together. That's not going anywhere. But the things that like are trans like you're, you're not social in Walmart. Maybe some people are, but it's a little awkward. But like you don't go there to meet people. Generally, <laughs> you go there to pick something up. And if it's that transactional, why go? Yeah, my grandma is a bit different. But <laughs> she, yeah. she she goes to stores and just hang out with random, I mean, not random, but her friends. Um, thank you, Eric. Um, ben, what can you see um, in our agency? <laughs> in our agency and the clients that we work with, I think there's a general theme uh, going on in, in this podcast right now, which is the, the extra focus that companies should put on customer attention. Because whenever you start a business, Uh, especially in e-commerce, the number one thing that's in most people's mind is how am I going to get customers? And now it's actually going in the other direction where it's like, as um, yeah, I think Eric said as well, 
you have to kind of maximize what you, let's say, what customers you have and kind of maximize their um, revenue from there. And one thing that we have been noticing is merchants that have an omni-channel approach just do way, way better. And, you know, for, for example, one thing that's really interesting for us is after we work with so many e-commerce stores, after working with them for like a week or two, a lot of times we can notice patterns in the way they're kind of thinking about their business. And a lot of times, for example, if someone really worries about, oh, this sale wasn't supposed to be attributed to Clavio, you know, it might be a sign that they might be missing the bigger picture thinking. And um, yeah, we, when it comes to omnichannel stuff, if your business has been stuck at a certain level for, you know, the past few months or year, maybe, maybe you can consider taking on new um, channels. Pinterest, for example, we've we've actually seen really, really good returns with, uh, we have a Pinterest partner and uh, e-commerce has been doing quite well there. Obviously there's uh, Shroma's amazing software e-cart. Uh, we've also tried working with, for example, Reveal or Loyalty Lion, which really helps you understand your customers better. You can build really good ambassador programs and actually ambassador programs is one thing that most of the big, biggest companies that we work with kind of all have. And it's something that, you know, it just, as Ali said, it was all just making your customers feel like they're part of a community and not just one of the numbers or, you know, not, you, you don't send these like commercial emails. Every time I see one of these like really commercial emails, which is like lacks complete personality or any kind of personal relationship is just, um, yeah, it makes me a little bit sad, but, uh, yeah, and also when, when it comes to, you know, building relationships, one of the biggest surprises that we've seen is how well content emails are doing, for example. So when we first got started, we were mostly, you know, you, you mostly first do promotional emails and that kind of stuff and sales events, things of that nature. And what we started noticing is our content emails are actually doing better than the promos. So um, the interest, actually, this, there's an interesting story with this because we were working with a few companies that we weren't really sure what their, they, even they weren't really sure what their customers were really into because whenever we, we would ask them like, what's your target persona or buyer persona? And they weren't really, they were like, I don't know, like between 20 and 50 and I don't know, and all over the world. <laughs> and they, they didn't really know too much about it. And what we noticed is, things that are kind of related to the product that they're selling. For example, there's a print on demand company that we work with and us sending them stuff about famous artists and famous painters, for example, and things of that nature. Uh, it was just doing really well because people started to be quite interested in this. And obviously there was some trial and error in this, but um, maybe this is something to think about as well. And the one last thing that I wanted to bring up as well is whether your business can become subscription-based. So uh, this is really interesting because, you know, it's when whenever I'm in one of these Facebook groups where people talk about, oh, what kind of, when, when people are just starting out, a lot of advice is, oh, come up with a niche that's, you know, you can kind of resell it to your buyers, like something that runs out and then you can sell it to them again. And what we started noticing is, we're working with a few companies who sell products 
I would have never thought it could be a subscription-based product, like never. And then on the flip side, we work with a company that I don't want to like disclose the niche or anything, but it's the most subscriptionable product ever. And, you know, they were just kind of too caught up in the trenches, you know, uh, just in the day-to-day running of the business, I guess, that when I, when I brought it up on a call, they were like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe we should do a subscription. <laughs> and actually there's a great um, tool for that. It's called Recharge. Um, I can personally recommend it. And it just They're makes awesome. everything really, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it just makes everything really much easier because coming back to the point that Daniel mentioned as well and Eric with the, with the convenience. So I don't think enough people realize how much pain you have to go through to buy this product again that you have to buy every month. And it actually removes a lot of pain for your customers. And it also kind of makes you money and it's just a win-win-win. So maybe that's something to uh, consider. And yeah, Daniel, did I miss anything? <laughs> did you have any well, so- I was yeah, just thinking it loud to your point, Ben, like content seems so simple, but a lot of people are really bored right now and they're yeah. searching for things to engage with in their email. I, I fall victim to it. I go through emails and if there's something that catches my eye, regardless if it's promotional, I'm going to spend those 30 extra seconds going through it. Um, you know, if, if, if it's a puzzle, if it's actually recently I subscribed to a sneaker brand and they sent me book recommendations. They don't correlate at all, but I'm spending five more seconds thinking about your brand than I would have uh, without content to engage with. So I really liked that you brought that up. Thank you. I think uh, one, so one thing about subscription businesses, I'm sure in the future we will offer it as a service to, to transform your business into a subscription e-commerce company. I really think that's a big Thing already and in the future it, it's growing i don't know the percentage i read something but yeah it's it's been really growing and it will grow even faster i think but one thing is as ben said it's just convenience that uh you don't have to buy again which takes a lot of time but the other thing is people they are just lazy to cancel it uh i have the same with netflix i'm just lazy to cancel it and uh yeah, I don't say that it's good to have subscribers who don't really engage with you, but it's it's not bad either. So uh, you can uh, re-engage them, uh, you know, anytime. You can send them emails and 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 SMS and many different things, and can try to re-engage those people. I'm sure I also get some emails from Netflix. Um, I will check, but um, yeah, you know, you can just keep people in the loop if they are still subscribed. Um, so yeah, I think subscription is a, is a huge thing and it will be even bigger. There is also a big uh, cash flow advantage for those businesses. So I think it's a, it's a big trend in e-commerce. Um, so thanks, uh, thanks everyone, uh, about sharing, you know, all of the, all of your knowledge and experiences. I think we learned a lot today and, uh, to the audience. So every Thursday we are coming out to the new uh, podcast episode and we will have more and more webinars this year. Um, thanks everyone. And, uh, we will put all the links and everything, uh, every resource, uh, in the description and you can find, uh, the company of every guest. um, and, uh, stay tuned. Um, thanks again. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, 
check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal, grow your e-commerce business together. Thank you.